0: Hello and welcome to the MTM Vegas Podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you. As a reminder, you can watch this entire show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. On this week's show, we're going to talk about a new slot machine that avoids W2G forms, Dropicana, that massive construction project on Tropicana's interchange. It's going to mess things up for a long time to come. We'll also talk about Cosmo's switch over to MGM Rewards, a first look inside Fountain Blue lost Las Vegas and what is happening to Vegas casinos with a lack of maintenance, not taking care of the buildings. We'll discuss all of that on this show. Plus, there's a bonus at the end. We record two shows a week on YouTube and combine them into this podcast. You'll hear everything from those two shows. But in this podcast, we have a special bonus, a three-minute version of our Vegas YouTube show that is now airing on KUNV 91.5 Jazz and More in Las Vegas on Friday mornings during drive time. We're excited to share this short version of the show of the podcast. So if you're in Las Vegas and you're listening to 91.5, make sure to check us out on the radio. Thanks so much for listening. Let's hit it. So Mark, did you see what someone did to the Vegas street art that sits off the freeway at Eastern and 215? Usually it's like a head, but somebody added some interesting eyes to it and some earrings. I think it's now the most Vegas street
1: art ever. Yeah, though I don't remember googly eyes that big in, you know, third grade art class when you were playing with the pipe cleaner and <laughs> Elmer's glue, but those are those are pretty massive. I don't understand and I know this isn't just a Vegas thing, but I don't understand the need to put like art and monuments and stuff when they redo ramps onto to highways and interstates and all that stuff like don't we have enough money getting wasted on things that we don't need just heads for people to crash into yeah i mean this is crazy because this was installed i think in 2017 then in 2020
0: somebody ran off the road and basically broke it knocked it completely over and then now somebody decided to kind of spruce it up but if those eyes don't say what
1: happens in vegas stays in vegas i don't know what does that person was just trying to do a you know a public service and they didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get into it. So
0: one of the interesting things for gamblers is that when you hit a jackpot on a slot machine that's over $1,200 or $1,200 or more, then you get a W-2G form. And this number has been the same basically since the late 1970s, and there's been different kind of proposals to up that to 5000 6000 but that hasn't happened. So if you hit a $1,200 or more jackpot, you're going to get hit with a W-2G. But one manufacturer has found a way around this. There's this new slot machine in downtown right now, a Golden Gate uh, that Vital Vegas has covered, and he wrote about it. And then interesting enough, he hit a bonus on it later in the day, and won $10,000, so how does this sort of avoid the W2G? Well, when you hit the bonus, you then get 10 spins, or it depends on how how much you bet, but you get a number of spins, but you still have to bet one credit for each of those bonus spins, and you do have a one in 1,000 chance of losing on each bonus spin, but you're almost guaranteed to win, and because each spin you're paying for it and it's separate now you don't have to get taxed on the jackpot and he tested it out won $10,000 is this brilliant is this going to be something the IRS comes after
1: so everybody go play and you're guaranteed to win 10,000 no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. But yeah this is interesting and I and I you know applaud the company for coming up with something a little bit outside the box to get around this and I've always wondered you know the slot $1200 you can go to a table and win 10,000 and they don't say anything so it just seems Stupid that the the limits are so low on slots and and kind of annoying. Like, you almost don't want to win a jack. you want to win $1,100, so you don't have to mess with all that. So, this is pretty cool that you win $10,000, maybe even more, and you're not dealing with all that paperwork. Now, technically, you're, you're supposed to claim all this as winnings if you win at the end of the year, but you know, it's kind of funny that they got the workaround going. And I wonder if anybody else will do it, or if they'll crack down on it, or how it'll play out. Yeah, the game is called Double Jackpot Blazing Sevens with Quick Hit,
0: high limit edition, and, uh, you know, I think it's the cheapest bet's five bucks, but, I mean, it seems to fall within the spirit of the rules. When you get the bonus spins, you're still betting on each spin, and, you know, there is a chance to lose, so it does seem like it falls within the rules for each spin being separate, and, uh yeah, so, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. I found that it was really coincidental Uh, and congratulations to to Scott that Vital Vegas that he wrote about this, and then he hit the jackpot or hit that bonus later in the same day. So uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's all proven now that you can do it. No W2G. What other things will they come up with? But they really do need to up this limit. $1,200 is nothing. I think it was 1977, Mark, when they came up with that number. So times have changed a little bit. And uh, How much much were
1: eggs back in 1977? Like 12 cents? Come on. <laughs> and it sucks as a gambler too because you get stopped for the
0: hand pay, and depending on the casino you're in, it could take a long time. I've seen jackpots take forty five minutes or more to get paid, especially on a busy night. Thankfully, like places like Cosmo now, uh, they have like automated where you know your your stuff is in the system, and so it just generates it without having to do a full hand pay. So you just kind of accept it on the player's card thing. So technology is helping out a lot. But $1,200 in 1977 is about $6,000 today. So, yeah, probably time to move on from this. But good to see that they found a technological way to get around it. it looks like a fun slot machine. And go out there and uh, and do it. So, Mark, did you hear about Drop-A-Canna? is this thing about, like, naming big freeway projects? Uh, I think Southern California had a bunch of this stuff in the last couple of years where they had these names of these huge projects. Well, Tropicana and I-15, that whole interchange is being redeveloped, redesigned, and it's going to cause some really ugliness, I think, in Vegas, not only at the end of this month, but basically for the next year and a half as they widen things, rebuild bridges, and it's going to start when they're going to close traffic in both directions on Tropicana between Dean Martin and New York, New York. Parts of the freeway will be completely closed and they're going to be tearing down like the flyover bridge going to Tropicana East, I think that's going to be closed for 18 months, and some of the other exits closed for 12 to 18 months. So this is a huge development that's going to kind of start at the end of this month. Well, it's already started. There's a lot of construction already happening, but it's going to be a mess and not going to get better anytime soon. I guess the hope is that uh, this will be better for sports events. And that interchange really does need some help.
1: Yeah, you know, we were talking before the show, and I was, I'm was i just surprised that they didn't really do this at the time that they're building the stadium and, and all that. Kind of like do it together so that when the stadium opened, it was all ready to go and weren't having this as much issue with traffic and stuff. But anytime a major system gets uh, re- rehabilitated or construction happens, it's a pain. And then you got Formula One coming in and all this craziness. I, I oh, man. Uh, avoid it if you can. The big question is what type of statue are they going to put at the end of it? Oh, we're going to get some beautiful art, whether it's desert turtles
0: <laughs> or uh, coyotes or something. I don't Chris know. Chris Angel uh,
1: statue. Put it up. Let's go. I think
0: so. I think it's time, right? I mean, we absolutely uh, need it. Hopefully, nobody runs it off the road. We've got to like start a GoFundMe, get it built. Yeah. There you go. Uh, So there are some interesting things with this. There will be a new pedestrian walkway added between Tropicana and Arena Drive for access to the T-Mobile Arena. So I didn't realize there was a big deal for that for people across the freeway. I think that's what they're referring to. So that's going to happen. There'll also be a HOV half interchange at Harmon. So there are some other things here, but it's going to be ugly for a while. More turn lanes. Basically, this intersection is just overloaded and adding Allegiant Stadium not far from there. Obviously, T-Mobile Arena added within the last decade. A lot of stuff added, and they just need more space. So everything getting rebuilt from the bridges to the interchange to everything, and it's going to be ugly. So let's talk food for a minute, and there's a few updates we have. Seagull's Bagel Mania just recently hosted an eating contest for National Bagel Day, I guess it was. I should have known that. I feel bad as such a bagel enthusiast for not knowing it was National Bagel Day yesterday. But uh, they held it. They had people from all over, $7,500 cash prize. And Jeffrey Esper won by eating 17.75 bagels in eight minutes. That is a new bagel world record. So, yeah, the center, not New York, the center of bagel action. It's all happening here in Vegas.
1: Need to get Joey Chestnut uh, over to, to compete in this. But, no, I couldn't imagine eating 17, 18 bagels. After like three, I'm stuffed for a day, so I don't know what you do after. Like, what do you? Where do you go after you had eighteen to celebrate seventy five hundred bucks? Yeah, it had to hurt, right? I mean, in eight minutes, so that's it's gonna hurt for a couple days. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> just all that that yeah, all that bread sitting in your stomach. All right, so let's move on to some other news. Shaq's Big Chicken it opened its second location in Las Vegas. And I had tried this on the Carnival cruise ship. Pretty good chicken sandwich. I think their first ever location was in Las Vegas over off of uh, Paradise. Uh, but they're now open in the southwest at TROP in Fort Apache. What was interesting about this that I learned is that they have over 150 locations either open or in development right now. So Shaq's Big Chicken is expanding like crazy. Probably worth a try if you haven't tried it. I wouldn't say it's the best chicken sandwich ever, but really solid.
1: No, it's cool to see expanding and, and something new to, to get into the chicken craze. You know, we see Popeye's, Chick-fil-A, KFC, all that stuff. So it's fun to see something new and, you know, something different. So I, I'm looking forward to trying it out. Hopefully it ends up in a food hall at some point. You know, that's... That's when you made it, Sean, when you're in a food hall.
0: All right, one last food story. Uh, Radio Guy Steve put this together. I saw for Pennies for Vegas on Twitter. Prime Rib Specials for January of 23 in Las Vegas. All the best specials around town. And seeing this list was a reminder that there really isn't anything cheap anymore. Although Fremont and the Tony Romas there still has that 430 to 630, the Prime Rib Special for 9 bucks. So that's probably the best special in town. It's decent. It's not the greatest Prime Rib in the world, but I have had it. But other than that you're starting to jump up to 17, 20, 30, 40 for prime rib specials. What happened to the old days of like 4.99?
1: Yeah, my wife used to love to go to Hooters back when it was Hooters and what was the Dan Marino uh, restaurant like the Mad Onion or something like that in there and they had a really good prime rib special for like 12 bucks, 11 bucks. So we'd always go there each time and and I know you just went to South Point not too long ago and said it's not quite as good or at least the night you were there not quite as good as it has been in the past. So that's kind of sad to see. Yeah. South Point's interesting. They're like half the entries on this
0: list between their coffee shop and their prime rib restaurant and everything else, their buffet too. So I guess South Point is the prime rib place. Like I said, primarily prime rib used to be one of my favorites. Our last visit wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. And the the prices are still really
1: good and you get that table side tossed salad mark. So that's still, that's uh, big. still up there on my list. <laughs> it is fun. Tableside stuff's fun. I mean, the smashed potato at Martha Stewart's place, I, being the one thing I wouldn't do, but you no, know, t- uh, tableside carving or salad or anything like that is always always a good time. So let's talk
0: about building maintenance. I saw this tweet talking about that Paris balloon outside Paris, Las Vegas, kind of showing some of the wear and tear on that, even neon burnt out at night. And, you know, we talk about all this investment coming to Las Vegas, but one of the side effects of corporate Las Vegas, I think, especially as it's matured, is that we're seeing like a lack of building maintenance in some areas, especially with Caesars properties like Planet Hollywood. The paint is peeling off the some of the banners are peeling off Paris. You know, we see this, we see other issues. Rio, famously, they've just let that building kind of go to, you know, go to hell, basically. Uh, so, are we going to continue it's to H- see this?
1: H-E double hockey sticks, please. Kids.
0: <laughs> so are we going to see this uh, continue where we don't see the investment in the properties? There's been some anecdotal evidence of like the rooms at Cosmo kind of feeling run down now. I don't really blame MGM for that. They haven't owned it long enough. And, you know, I stayed at Cosmo a couple months ago. The room was pristine. But one area that you can really cut back is building maintenance, especially when you're trying to make those quarterly earnings and things like that. Is this just like a, an aberration or is this something that we're going to continue to see?
1: I think it's going to be this way for a while. And the, and the sad thing is they're making you know all-time highs in revenue and, and, and profit and everything. So now would be the time to reinvest if you were going to. And it just doesn't seem like they're interested in it at all. So I don't know. I don't know when, when that turns, when maybe enough people complain or stop going that they're like, hey, maybe we need to re- redo some of this stuff. But it's sad to see Caesars over the last 10 years, what they've done to their program and and into their properties. And, you know, they've been focusing more on updating rooms and maybe that's where the money's going. You know, we do see a lot of remodeling in rooms, which is where people spend more of their time. But yeah, you want your people coming to Vegas for the first time and they're seeing this all for the first time. You want that to be a good look to, to draw them in. So you'd like to see the outside stuff updated too. It's a good point. Caesars has spent a lot of money updating
0: the rooms across almost all their properties in Vegas over the last five, seven years. They've just embarked on that big renovation of Caesars Palace. So they've redone a lot of the lobby and a lot of the stuff there. Harrah's, they just finished a big renovation of the casino. So there has definitely been investment. Other properties like Flamingo are just sort of withering on the vine. And, you know, you do have these external sort of building maintenance issues So, you know, I guess on one hand, you can't really blame Caesars. Also, you have the horseshoe transition where that building's getting paint and a lot of stuff. So they are spending money. It just seems like maybe they have a lot to spend and they got to figure out how to kind of divvy that up. But it's not a good look, especially for something like that balloon at Paris, which is an iconic part of it. Throw some paint on there, fix the neon. Make it better. Hopefully, Formula One coming to Vegas later this year will mean that everything gets freshened
1: up, as it's going to get so much TV time. So we'll 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 hope for that. But not a good look right now. Yeah, and so much uh, so much money is coming in too. You know, and and this wasn't on the show notes, but a buddy sent it to me. uh, AAA. Some people had booked hotels uh, through AAA to to stay in Vegas, and this was before they announced the Formula One dates. And they've come back and said, "Hey, we can't honor those anymore." We'll either give you 700 bucks cash or you have to pay $2,000 more type of thing, which is insane. I don't even know how this can happen, but, you know, I think we're going to hear more and more stories like this as it gets closer and prices keep skyrocketing. Yeah, that's a shame because the hotels
0: are getting their, you know, they're having their cake and they want their cake to eat it too, right? I mean, you're going to get these high rates for the rooms you didn't have booked. Why would you do this to people who already booked ahead of time? It's not cool. On one hand, you know, getting $700. Might be nice, but honor the hotel reservations and yeah, and just go a different weekend because it's going to be a mess unless he's planning on going to the race itself, you know. But yeah, that does stink. All right, and the last thing I wanted to talk about is that Lunar New Year has arrived in Las Vegas, and you know, I think this is one of the things that Vegas does best, especially when comparing to other kind of cities, I guess, in the US. We do a really good job of celebrating Lunar New Year, and of course, it's celebrated all over the country, all over the world, but you get these really big, grand displays in Las Vegas, and I was staying at Palazzo last week, and Venetian and Palazzo have a ton of stuff up. It's the year of the rabbit, which is apparently one of the luckiest years to be born, and uh, there's rabbits everywhere. The Venetian Palazzo really enjoyed their display, but of course, Bellagio took it to the next level, and it's another incredible display there. And, you know, I feel like Bellagio Conservatory is one of the most hyped things to do in Las Vegas. But time and time again, as we've joked about, I go in there and I'm impressed. And this time I got to visit at night, which was really nice. I always forget how beautiful it really looks in there at night because usually I'm there during the day. And that's a whole other vibe if you want to go visit. Go do it at night where you have all the lighting and you get more of that kind of mood and atmosphere. It's uh, looking really good. Another successful Lunar New Year display for Bellagio. And I'm sure Wynn also has a good one as well.
1: Yeah, it's always fun to see. And I love uh, the, the Lunar New Year like the displays, the, the Asian theme and all of that. And when, when you were there at night, did you see anybody eating in the exclusive uh, Bellagio uh, table uh, overlooking the, the garden?
0: No, no one was eating there. Uh, it was pretty busy in there, but nobody was eating at that special table. So I wonder how well that's doing. I wonder how... It was very expensive, so I'm sure there's people taking them up. No, I,
1: I want to see, see somebody up there just once.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it was beautiful. And MGM is going to do some really cool stuff for Lunar New Year. They're having dragon and lion dances to commemorate the year of the rabbit. Aria on January 27th uh, is going to have it at the main valet. Bellagio on January 28th at the main valet. MGM Grand on January 28th at the main porte And then at Cosmo at 1 p.m. on January 29th. So they're gonna have, all throughout that weekend, you're gonna have dances and festivities, plus you have the displays. So it's a fun time to be in Las Vegas. We do Lunar New Year right, I think.
1: As most holidays, Vegas usually goes all out, so you can't complain about that.
0: No, you can't complain about that at all. So, Mark, did you see that picture of the Queen machine at Four Queens back in the day? It reminds me of those Big Bertha slot machines, and definitely a machine out of a different era of Vegas.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of you know Vegas vacation where he goes to all those big slot poles that are were always like out near the uh, exits and entrances to kind of draw people in, and and that's exactly where you would imagine this being like right like at a Fremont Street casino. Right, uh, you know, inside the door, first thing you see, and people just get uh, sucked into it for sure.
0: Yeah, this is a machine from a different time, although it sort of predicts what the future of slots was, right? You have six players being able to play on the same machine. I used to love those big Bertha slots when I was a kid. I never played them, of course, but did you ever see those, the ones that were like, six, seven feet tall with the big reels. I guess they still have versions of them in Vegas, but those were the the coolest things back in the day. And I wish uh, I got to see this one in person.
1: Nothing beats having the change cup and all the clink, 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 and you scoop up all your (laughs) quarters or nickels in this big tub. Oh man, those are the days.
0: Those are the days. Let's start with a quick update on the MSG sphere. Not a lot to report. We've talked a lot about it in the last few weeks. But they started testing the screen on the outside, specifically on the dome. Just color testing right now. But uh, it's exciting to see this thing finally light up.
1: It looks a, li- <laughs> it looks a little weird to me. I mean, it, I expected it to be all dark and then lights to come out on the front. And I don't know if this is just them testing, but not the finish. But it looks almost like a, a squishy uh, toy my daughter has where a like, little poop comes out the butt, like a bubble. Or like an Amazon glow light. It, it just looks not at all what I expected. I think this is just a test, so hopefully we'll get uh, more robust
0: stuff coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, it's good to see this thing moving along. You can see other shows. We talked about it in previous shows about kind of the struggles with MSG and their financing, how they're splitting off some of their businesses, looking to possibly sell their 67% stake in Town Nightclub, all to get this thing finished. We don't think it's going to be finished by the Formula One race in November, although it should be finished around the end of the year, and the screen should be fully operational by then. So this is just a quick step. Glad to see that. Excited for the future, even if it looks a little strange right now, Mark. So uh... Looks like a nightlight. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Vital Vegas is reporting that Cosmo is going to switch over from Identity Rewards to MGM Rewards starting in April. I wasn't able to independently confirm this, but this sort of meshes with the timeline that they talked about. So uh, I I guess first thing for people out there who have comps and things like that from Identity, make sure to get that stuff booked. It'll be honored once they switch over. But if you're an MGM loyalist, you want to use comps at Cosmo, you want to book through your MGM, hopefully that will be coming in April as well.
1: Yeah, I have to wonder if once this switch first goes over, like early on, if they're overly generous to to players at Cosmo that came over from the Identity program, just to try to keep them coming back and gambling and, and everything like that. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any anecdotal evidence of it being better to gamble at Cosmo versus other MGM properties. I don't know, you know, if they're sophisticated enough to do that, I would imagine so, but that would be kind of cool if they did.
0: I mentioned briefly on the last show that we had seen some anecdotal evidence that maybe Cosmo was getting a little run down. Again, I stayed there a few months ago, didn't notice this, but we did see that on Twitter with some pictures that sort of reminded me of what Aria kind of looks like in some of their older rooms. A lot of like little stuff broken, a lot of You know, lack of maintenance in certain areas. So we'll continue to kind of monitor how MGM implements Cosmo and if that hotel can really stay up to the standard that it was before, because I think it was a step above Bellagio, which was MGM's best. To me, this is really their flagship property. Hopefully they'll start treating it that way. Although I think it's going to get lost in the mix. There's 13 MGM properties here in Las Vegas. Hard to be one of 13 when you used to be the only child.
1: Yeah, true. T- totally different, you know, environment that you're getting put into and and management team and everything like that. So, I don't imagine it it's run quite the same level, you know, we talked about previously how I wasn't super impressed on my Bellagio stay. Gunk backed up into the tub and just, you know, the service and and the friendliness of the people wasn't the greatest. So, I hope that that doesn't happen at Cosmo, maybe because it is a bit smaller of a property and not such a massive scale compared to other MGM ones. They they keep that, but it's all dependent on the team that they hire and or keep there and, and how they act and interact with the, the people that are coming in the door. So we'll have to wait and see. I hope it, it's a good thing, but, it, you know, MGM tracks record isn't the, gre- the greatest with that stuff. So we'll have to see. Yeah, we shall see. And we'll keep you guys updated. I hope they don't ruin Cosmo,
0: but I'm sure there's a lot of MGM loyalists that are really happy that this will finally be integrated and they can use their comps and book and use their points, all of that stuff. So we'll keep you guys updated on that. Horseshoe continues to move along with their renovation. It's officially named Horseshoe now, it was Bally's before. Although there's still signs up, there's still construction everywhere. So I guess it's a a soft transition right now. But they announced a new venue. There's still several restaurant venues that are closed that we don't know what's gonna replace them. Well, we finally learned that what's gonna replace the Burger Brasserie, which is in that area between Paris and Horseshoe. And uh, guess who it's gonna be, Mark? It's your favorite celebrity chef.
1: It's either gonna be Gordon Ramsay or Guy Fieri. (laughs) Or yeah, how you say it.
0: I don't know Guy how you Fieri. say it. Fiedi. Fieri. <laughs> Fieri. So, Guy yeah. Fiedi's uh, Flavortown Sports Kitchen is coming to Horseshoe. It's going to be 6,500 square feet, seat 279 people throughout their bar, main dining area, and rotunda. So, that should be pretty nice. And it's going to bring Guy Fiedi's food back to the strip. Of course, he uh, has a couple other restaurants in Las Vegas, although I think the Burro Barracho at Rio has closed. But yeah, he's uh, got a big deal with Caesars. He has restaurants all over the country. Also well-known for his deal with Carnival Cruise Lines. Makes a good burger, I will say that. His other food, I'm kind of mixed on.
1: Yeah, not surprising that they they dipped into the well of what they've used before. And I, I expect there to be like two or three Gordon Ramsay restaurants mixed in, in there when it's all said and done. But, you know, interesting enough, uh, he's a guy he's opening up a restaurant into the Detroit area too. So it's just kind of funny that at the same time, I've never actually... Been in one of his restaurants, so I'll have to check it out. And I didn't realize until I was reading the show notes that he went to UNLV. So there you go. I knew he came from California because our buddy Ian always harps about it, but I did not know that he's a, a local college grad. Yeah,
0: I think one of his most famous dishes are those trash can nachos. I finally got to try those on the cruise ship this last, uh you know, a few weeks ago in December. Sounds appealing. And they were pretty good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who doesn't like to eat trash can? And it's just like that. It comes in this little like trash can, they dump it out onto the plate. I know that's his uh, famous dish, but... tableside
1: you- nachos. There you go.
0: Yeah, $90 uh, <laughs> coming soon to Horseshoe. Speaking of Horseshoe, we found out this week that they're building a new Game of Thrones attraction, and it's sort of off that backside... Uh, kind of as you walk towards Ellis Island, kind of on the east side of that. And it's going to be a semi-permanent structure built kind of in the parking lot, it seems like. It's going to have a really cool themed bar and other offerings. And I think the main centerpiece of this is going to be a ride, kind of like maybe Soren in Disney or uh, maybe Flight of Passage, I don't know, which is the Avatar ride in Disney World, but some sort of a simulator ride getting you on the dragons into the Game of Thrones world. So uh, I think... This sounds pretty cool. You were saying before, it sounds like it should be at Area 15.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a perfect fit for Area 15. But no, that, that's awesome that they're bringing that to uh, the horseshoe you know, there's never been a ton to draw you in there when it was Bally's. So this is something unique. And to see that HBO is involved and Warner Brothers is involved, you know, my fear was that it was just somebody trying to do it like on the cheap, but you have to imagine it's going to be top-notch, high-end stuff. The bar sounds like it could be really, really cool. Maybe they'll have like a little ice bar for winter is coming and all that. So we'll have to see, you know, what it looks like, but I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be really, really unique. And this should be kind of close to where their
0: food court is in Horseshoe and also the new arcade that was the old sports book. (laughs) They should have put it (laughs) in the
1: arcade. There you
0: go. But I mean, maybe they'll have all the synergy. I think they have the, is it the Kiss mini golf or the Twilight Zone mini golf down there as well? So, you know, they have a lot of attractions in there and hopefully that draws people to that backside of the property. But hoping with HBO involved, this will be a really cool attraction in Vegas. And another cool attraction, one we talk about often, is the M. Cactus Garden. And they do their holiday display every Christmas and it's beautiful. But they also do a Valentine's Day display and it's running now through Valentine's Day from five to 10 every night. Just like with Christmas, they're doing a $1 donation for Three Square Food Bank. But you can get in there, see all the Valentine's Day lights, maybe take a walk with your Valentine through the Cactus Garden. Glad to see that they continue these seasonal things. And this is another reason to get over there, especially at night when they have it all lit
1: up. It's pretty cool i mean the lights were already up for christmas so yeah let, let's redo it you know I, i'm sure they change Shh, it up Mark, a bit. Don't, tell, <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell their secret <laughs> <laughs> they, they flip the switch from uh green to, to red and white i don't know but uh no i definitely want to check it out uh, sometime i love you know when they do these at parks and stuff and, and everywhere else but to see it in this place would be pretty special so Hopefully it's different. Like anybody that went to Christmas and then goes here, let us know if it's exactly the same or if it's a bit different or what changed. Uh, I'd be interested to know. Yeah, and it starts, I think, February 3rd, so it's not
0: actually going yet. So I should have said that, Uh, but it will be uh, fun to go in February. I did want to do a quick update on Prim. You know my dead mall video, my mall, my video from Prim Valley has I think passed two hundred fifty thousand views. So there's a lot of you guys interested in it. And in that video, I show the mall cut off from the casino. Well, somebody sent me pictures on Twitter saying that they've now reopened that. So I think the casino is still mostly gutted, but at least you can now connect inside from the mall to the uh, to the casino. I guess they took down the caution tape and all of that. So this is a good development. I'll have to get back out there. I may be back out there in the next couple of weeks to see kind of what the updated thing is. So I might update you guys on this show, but I guess this is a good sign for how bad that property was, how depressing it was to see it. Maybe, you know, some sort of improvement is coming.
1: You do, you pull some slots, you go do your morning walk, you know, through the mall and buy some Bed Bath & Beyond soap and then go back to slots, I guess, without having to go outside.
0: <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's talk about our main story of this week. And that is Fountain Blue. And Vital Vegas got some pictures from Austin Abel Shepard. Now, he's a guy I've seen on YouTube on and off. He did a really good documentary about the demolition of the Riviera and kind of the whole process of it closing and everything that happened after that. It's on YouTube, so I recommend that. But somehow he got himself inside Fountain Blue. I'm assuming because his name's all over it that this was an authorized visit into Fountain Blue. And we're seeing our first real pics of what it's going to look like. Of course, we've seen the renderings, which look very nice. It looks like a high-end property, very modern and everything. But the first picks inside sort of support that and also reinforce that there's a long way to go before they're done.
1: Yeah, I was kind of surprised how how bare it was, uh, you know, with how long this property's been sitting there. You'd think there'd be some more to it, but I was happy to see, you know, my Big pet peeve is low ceiling. So, so I was happy to see high ceilings. I liked all the curves, you know, built into it. And then the carpet looks really, really nice if they end up using that carpet everywhere. That carpet is sexy. I, you know, it's blue. It's, you love carpet. You know, I loved high ceilings. You love carpet.
0: I do like carpet. Although I think casino carpet's something that's been so overlooked for so many years. And so, you know, the, their main kind of goal was to have a carpet that covered up stains and things like that because there's such high traffic. And then, you know, there's a lot of flowery patterns and, you know, things that I just didn't love throughout the history of casino carpet. But I feel like Circa was one of the places to step up their game when they open. They have a really beautiful carpet. And this carpet with the blues, it just looks very sexy. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. But other than that, I mean, the, the spaces look, you know, big. Obviously, we're not getting full context on all the pictures that we're seeing, but... It does look like it's gonna be a very nice level property and kind of will envision some of those renderings that we saw. And yeah, I mean I guess I am a carpet fanboy. Put that
1: carpet all over. I love it. <laughs> can't wait to see people make that into a meme of somehow. <laughs> you can't love carpet? I mean there's a whole
0: Twitter account if people put don't put that know. carpet all over. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's a whole Twitter account that I follow, and I and I love it. And even the, I don't know if it's the same guy, but there's somebody on YouTube who also has a casino carpet related channel and loves when I put the video of the carpet in my videos, like in the prim videos where I'm actually showing what the carpet is. But this Twitter account, and I'll throw it up on the screen. They you know post pictures from casinos all over the country, and I find it fascinating to kind of see the difference. And again, see kind of the evolution. Casinos have much better carpeting today than they used to. So uh, that's good. But I would take this carpet in any kind of high-end hotel. I really like the sort of blue-gray color scheme. It's really in my taste, and a lot of new hotels have that. Now, there is one question there. This does look very modern and very much like a lot of newer hotels around the world, What will make Fountain Blue special to Las Vegas? Will it be more like Resorts World where it's generic Hilton or in this case, Fountain Blue, more generic rooms? Or will they put some Vegas flair to it like we saw with Circa where they snuck in all those modern colors, but also put in some Vegas panache?
1: Yeah, let's hope it leans towards the the circa when it's all said and done. I, I have to imagine it they'll they'll do something. You know they're they're pretty well known and they have other properties where they've done something similar. So I know not a casino, but I have to imagine that they're on top of the design style and are going to bring Vegas into it. At least I hope. Maybe that's just me hoping.
0: Yeah, we have you know we have so much coming, and you know over the next what five ten years, it's really going to define what the Vegas experience is. Uh, We talked last week about, or on the last show, about how building maintenance has suffered. And you know you got to kind of do a paradigm shift here. For those of us who remember Vegas in the 90s, even into the early 2000s, we think about what we thought of places like Riviera or Tropicana, some of these older properties that had been 30, 40 years old by that point. Now we're starting to see properties like Excalibur and you know, Circus Circus, so many of these properties are now 30, 40 years old. We're seeing Hard Rock completely kind of redo Mirage because it's hit that age. And so we have to have a paradigm shift that some of our favorite casinos are now on the older side. they are the dunes and sands and rivieras of yesterday and we're going to get these new properties, you know, five, six, seven of them over the next decade that will now define Vegas into the future. And there will be the new hotness. And so it'll be interesting to, to kind of see. But when you think that in the 90s, when you had Paris and New York, New York and, you know, Luxor, MGM Grand, Treasure Island, all these casinos open, they weren't beloved casinos. But today, looking back, they are. And how will we treat these, these new casinos over the next 10, 20 years? And how will we sort of let go of the casinos of the past, it's a it's an interesting time, an interesting place. Uh, but if you're at Excalibur, I heard that uh, Drop a Cana, we talked about on the last show, that massive project it started. People Whoa. in their rooms are hearing the banging all night long from uh, from the construction project at Excalibur. So maybe they need some better insulation. Uh, well,
1: does that surprise you at all <laughs> that the insulation isn't so great at the Excalibur? Uh, no, I mean, it's sad that it's already a problem and it just started. But, you know, it's going to be a long couple of years, I think. Yeah, it will be a long couple of years, but an exciting
0: few years. And, you know, this Fountain Blue project coming is the first step of that. And I know Dream Hotel has already started construction on the south end of the strip. And we have a lot of other projects coming. So it, it is exciting. If you like new casinos, if you like casino carpeting, all these new casinos, Mark, with new carpeting to discover. Oh boy. It's the best thing ever. Hey, morning, people. It's Sean and Mark from the MTM Vegas podcast here to bring you the latest Vegas news and information. Let's get right into it. Drop a can of Mark. It started on January 17th. This is the massive closure of the Tropicana interchange, the exits from I-15. They're even going to be closing I-15 altogether for four days from January 27th to January 30th and all of the Tropicana traffic for several days. This is going to be going on nine to
1: 18 months, nine months for part of the closures, 18 months for the flyover bridge. It sounds almost as bad as the name, Drop a Can. I don't like it. I don't know why they have to name construction projects, but let's drop the drop can. I guess. I don't know. It's going to be a cluster. So I, I feel for anybody that has to use that area, you know, to get to work or to, to do any of their daily live stuff. Yeah, I think Dropicana is going to be
0: on the top of mind of a lot of Las Vegas locals as they deal with that traffic nightmare. Did you see this week that Vital Vegas covered some pictures inside Fountain Blue? This was our first time kind of getting a look inside, and it, it looks really nice compared to the renderings. I really do love that blue carpet.
1: Yeah, I know that you're a big carpet guy, a carpet lover, so I'm I'm glad that they came out with something modern and and sexy for you. You know, I'm a big walk into a casino, want high ceilings so you don't feel like you're cramped, and they're showing that, at least uh, in the main area, so that's good. Looks very modern, very chic, so hopefully the finishing touches are done really well, but I like what I'm seeing so far. Yes, they still have a long way to
0: go, but it should be opening by the end of the year. There's a new slot machine, Mark, that avoids W2G forms. It's downtown at Golden Gate called the Double Jackpot Blazing sevens with quick hits, high limit edition, a lot to say. But basically, when you get the bonus, you still have to pay one credit to spin, but you have like a 99% chance of winning. So this is a way to allow each spin to pay you under the $1,200 threshold, and you can win up to like $10,000. I wonder why nobody's done it before.
1: It's great. Nothing worse than hitting a, a jackpot and then having to sit there for 20, 30 minutes, wait for somebody to come over and fill out forms. So Bally's is now Horseshoe officially,
0: but they're still in the middle of their complete redesign of the property. They're painting it. They've added several... Several new venues this week, they announced a guy Fieri Flavortown sports kitchen coming to where Burger Brasserie was. I know this was one of your favorite burger places in Vegas. Are you excited that Fieri is going to be
1: replacing it? You mean Fieri? <laughs> You know, I love Burger Brassier, so I was sad to see it go. Hopefully, it's really good. I don't know. That's a tough to top. They had really good burgers. I know you love Fietti's burgers, so hopefully the UNLV grad brings it home for us. They also have started construction on a Game of Thrones
0: attraction, which is going to have a ride. They have the new arcade there, a lot of other new venues, the new steakhouse, tons of stuff coming at Horseshoe. And speaking of the Strip, Lunar New Year is in full celebration right now. The Bellagio Conservatory has a stunning display this year, and they're going to be doing dragon and lion dances at Aria, Bellagio, MGM Grand, and Cosmo from the 20th. Twenty-seven to the 29th. Cool place to celebrate Lunar New Year. And Venetian Palazzo has some awesome displays as well.
1: One of my favorite things to do is walk around Vegas and look at the displays and nothing better than when they first change it up. And that's going to do it for us this week.
0: Don't forget to catch us on YouTube and every week right here on 91.5 Jazz and More. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Miles to Memories Vegas podcast. As a reminder, you can find all of our Vegas posts, podcasts, and videos at mtmvegas.com and check us out on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week.